What's going on, Bench fans? Let's talk some realistic expectations for the offense in 2024. How can this unit get better? Why should we be excited? Um, what are some of the questions that hopefully get answered with this next year's crop of players? On Wisconsin, let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers. I'm your host, Ryan Harris. Thank you for tuning in every day. Thank you so much for helping us kind of build this community. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Lockdown College for $20 off of your first purchase. Go over to Game Time, Lockdown College, $20 off. All right, we're going to just jump right into it. We have a new guest on the show, but somebody I've been going back and forth with on Twitter. He had a crazy detailed breakdown when Tyler Van Dyke committed. And I was like, I just got to be really good on the show and fortunate enough, I am grateful uh, to welcome Sean Latchow onto the show. Sean, thank you so much for for making the jump and I really appreciate the time, my man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You know, a uh, longtime fan of the show, happy to be on here. Excited to talk about some some nerdy statistical projections and expectations, reasons for optimism for, for year two under the, the Phil Longo offense. Let's, do it. Let, let's start there. So last year, right, big, uh, Wisconsin finished seventh in the Big Ten in scoring, 23.5 per game. Um, the year before, with a quarterback we couldn't wait to get rid of, Wisconsin averaged 26 points per game. So why should Badger fans – let's start there, and let's start getting into it. Why, why should we be optimistic for this offense coming up into this next season? Yeah, so I mean, certainly, like you touched on, it's not as explosive as we anticipated for 2023. Um, reasonable or not, there were some expectations going into the season. Uh, you know, that's a fair discussion to have whether we needed to, to have those expectations. But Longo does have a, a track record of of jumps in, in points per game in the second year of his of uh, introducing his system at Sam Houston and UNC. Uh, both teams saw a significant pickup in scoring in points per game. Um, seven and eight, respectively, to be uh, specific. Um, also, both of those units were over 40 points per game in, in the second year with Phil Longo. Um, obviously, I don't know if we're in that stratosphere of, of offensive juggernaut, but certainly reason to be optimistic. Um, what, the, what that's going to take remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful uh, an, a consistent evolution, as we're starting to see in this offseason, of the personnel um, is going to contribute a lot to to that uh, uh, increase in production. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I know we're going to get into a couple of different position groups and some statistical analysis of, of previous years. And, and we'll talk about kind of what those, uh, what those upticks in production are going to look like. Well, you mentioned uh, previously this two stops, seven and eight points a game, that if you just get that Wisconsin, you go from 23 a game to 30 a game. So even if you're not talking 40, Right. If you can routinely put up 30 like that, that's a big jump from where Wisconsin was last year. And that makes a difference in two or three games. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, uh, you know, Wisconsin with their tradition, three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, this is this is an, an unbelievable evolution if that's kind of the stride that we can make. Couple that with a decent defense, obviously a completely overhauled linebacker room and everything that we're doing on, on that side of the ball. And could be exciting, man. Could be exciting. Well, let's get into Van Dyke because, again, you you watched a lot of Miami football. That that was like one of your teams growing up. You talked about it. You sent me a very long, detailed breakdown of Tyler Van Dyke when he committed, and that's where I was like, "Ah, oh, this guy's great. Uh, we got to get Sean on the show." Um, what should I want to start here? What should Badger fans' expectations be of Tyler? Yeah, Van Dyke? So, 
Um, like you said, I was, uh, I'm just a Miami fan. I enjoy watching him. Got to watch a lot of Tyler Van Dyke. He's had an incredible roller coaster of a, of a time over there. Um, you know, just from a, from a, uh, background standpoint, big, strong kid, six, four to 20 to two thirty. um, real strong arm, a lot of zip, a lot of velocity on his passes, but he also has nice touch. Um, very prone to the deep ball. We're going to talk about that and how that fits in Longo's offense. But, um, you know, Longo uh, had a lot of, of nice things to say about TVD. He got to see him up close while he was at UNC. Um, TVD actually went off on them a couple of times, so he got a, a front row seat to the show. Um, you know, uh, Longo specifically pointed out that, that he loves that TVD can make every single throw on the field. And, you know, the, kind of one of the things that uh, – um, you know, uh, led to his fall from grace in, in the eyes of Miami fans was more uh, decision-related. But when we talk about kind of what he had to go through there, um, being particularly three OCs in three years, um, four if you go back to uh, who he was recruited by, he was originally recruited by Dan Enos, was the, the offensive coordinator there at Miami. When he showed up, um, when he showed up to campus, he was working with Rhett Lashley. So that that name sounds familiar. He's the coach at SMU, actually worked with Tanner Mordecai. Um, he's got a more wide open offense, kind of you can draw the parallel as to Mordecai then getting picked up by Longo. But um, uh, that year, let's not forget that TVD was ACC Rookie of the Year in 2021. Almost 3,000 yards, 25 TDs to six INTs. And he was thought of in NFL circles as a future first round pick. And, you know, was if you look at some of the, the graphs from that year was, you know, he was at the top of the list with with the names that we're even talking about now, um, as far as going at the top of this draft. Um, he then the, the following year, Lashley had, had left and uh, they had Josh Gaddis, who, you know, uh, Wisconsin fans will be familiar with his time at, at Michigan. Um went completely to a pro style offense. So this is, this is uh TVD's second year, completely pro style offense. Gaddis uh, leaves after that year, Shannon Dawson comes in and he transitions back. So, you know, kind of a roller coaster run there where you're going from completely different styles of play every single year. Um, you know, um, there is a lot of overlap of, of what uh, TVD likes to do and what Longo um, could certainly uh, introduce successfully into this offense. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, tight ends and, and how Longo likes to use the tight ends. Um, TVD, uh, his success can be directly correlated to having strong pass-catching tight ends. Um, Will Mallory, a guy uh, now playing at, at Indianapolis, was a guy that um, went off under under TVD uh, with TVD at the helm. Um, uh, with Will Mallory in 2021, uh, Mallory had 30 catches, four TDs. In 2022, uh, Mallory was actually the leader in receiving yards with 538. 2023, which was – you know, uh, perception dictates that that was his uh, fall from grace with with Miami and that fan base. Um, Will Mallory had passed on and TVD didn't have one tight end with more than eight receptions. So um, if that's something that Longo kind of looks to, that's that's certainly a cross section and, um, you know, an overlap of their Venn diagrams of what they want to do offensively. Um, as far as guys to look out for uh, with Van Dyke at the helm, uh, we mentioned tight ends, but also TVD excels connecting with explosive quicker guys. Um, Xavier Restrepo is the guy down there in Miami that has just absolutely gone on a heater.
um, especially as of late with TVD. So look out for Will Polling and, and Tretch. Those could be two guys that, that he could really kind of uh, hit it off with and, and start to really kind of uh, produce some, some big numbers. Um, you know, uh, TVD can really grip it and rip it. He's got a nice quick release. Something that Longo had mentioned in an interview at UNC was that he used to have his quarterbacks warm up with footballs without laces because he didn't even want the guys spinning the ball and wasting that much time. He wanted them to, to catch the snap and get that ball out. Um, he wants the ball. He's, he wants his QBs to throw to a spot, but he wants that ball to beat the defender to that spot. So high velocity TVD fits there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, also TVD wants to get vertical with this throws, uh, Something that this past year we were a little more horizontal in our in our passing game at times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as, as you're doing that that um, that choreography, that dance of of meshing and melding the the offensive system with the quarterback. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some some deeper throws um, this year as as that is kind of more TVD's alley. Well, we have to take a quick break. I want to come back and ask Sean about. Do we have the pieces to that that really fit perfectly around Tyler Ventai? Because I'm not sure when I look at the roster, that's one of the questions I have. Like, I don't know if we have that vertical burner. I don't know if we have that tight end. It's quite frankly, we have we have potential in both spots. I'm curious on your take there. Plus, continue talking about the, his his L of our evolution from different offensive coordinators. Um, I'm interested in the fact that certainly that's been a reason for some of the struggles with Tyler Van Dyke, but that's not going to change this year. He's getting another offensive coordinator. Right. So I guess the point, the question is, if that's been one of the reasons for struggles, why should we expect it to not continue? And then if he's changing another offensive coordinator, um, we're going to get into that next on Lockdown Badger with Sean. First, a quick break for our friends of the show. Um, and a quick second to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Our friends of the show today over at Game Time. Game Time is the number one source for all of your ticket buying needs. Um, there's times I've been stressed out trying to find the right tickets at the right price at the right time. And I end up buying a ticket behind a big pole. And there I'm just sitting like a big doofus with my popcorn behind a big pole because I didn't use game time. This is my life. Um, go to game time. Don't make the mistakes Ryan makes. Buy tickets to your favorite events. Don't make it stressful. You get pictures of what the seats are going to look like before you get there. You don't have to plan months in advance. There's flash sales. And, you again, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It's fast, in and out, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snake the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LockdownCollege for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LockdownCollege for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, let's get Sean back in here and continue this conversation. So I want to pick up with that question I just asked because I've heard that in several places, right? And it's, it's a valid reason. It's tough as a quarterback to pick up new systems, new offensive coordinators, new verbiage every year. But then shouldn't we expect more of the same struggle this year doing the same kind of thing? Yeah, so of course it's a, it's a very valid point. Um, I think for him it was more continuity related. Um, so he starts that first year in something more more like what he's going to see this year. Obviously the verbiage verbiage is going to be different, but that freshman year with Rhett Lashley is more closer related to what he's going to see this year. And then switching to Gaddis, which was immediately the pro style office, having to completely switch, and then having to switch back 
Whereas now maybe you could you could make the point that now he's having two years in a similarly re related system with a very successful freshman year in a more open style offense. So, you know, hopefully that could be a, I don't know if I'm just being an internal optimist here, but maybe a little continuity could be good for him and maybe we could see him shine much like his freshman year. Listen, optimism is most welcome on the show. And the other thing I'd say is there is something to the fact that these players pick their their spots, right? You go in the portal and you pick a spot and convert, no, take that step further. You pick a scheme, right, that, you're, that you think you're going to be comfortable in. So this is clearly where he wants to be, which means that's where he thinks he's going to be comfortable. So uh, that's worth pointing out there. Let's talk weapons, right? We, we talked Van Dyke. We talked, you know, you talked Tretch, Pauling. Um, does he have the receivers, the tight ends? Let's just go to tight ends. Does he have the tight ends on this roster? Do you think you've, you've mentioned his success in the past with tight ends? Do you like the tight end group on this team right now? Um, so I do. I like uh, particularly kind of some of the moves that they've made. Um, you can go back to, to talking about Longo and that fit. You can go back to 2022 at UNC. Longo had three, used three tight ends that saw significant time in action. Um, Nesbitt, Koppenhauer, and Morales. Those three guys combined for 79 receptions, about 1,100 yards, and eight TDs. That was good for fifth in the country as a unit in receptions and third in the country in yards. Um, you know, this kind of speaks to Longo being that kind of um, amorphous, always evolving, uh, you know, uh, one year he's got really good tight ends. He's third in the country in, in tight end, uh, in tight end production, you know, another year he's having the running backs, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but, uh, with that said, um, you know, last year we had, uh, the, the most receptions going into the bowl game. We didn't have a tight end with over 10 receptions. Yeah. You know, uh, that year that I just spoke about with UNC, his out of that three, the least had 15. Um, so is that something that we could see an uptick with? Is that why they're bringing guys like a McGowan, uh, like a like a Steck, like a Booker, um, all of those guys? Let's let's move on to them. They can be looked at like weapons. That's what those guys are. You know, they're they're particularly Steck, bigger guy, good blocker, all around tight end. Every single one of those guys has ball skills. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at you look at McGowan. Uh, you look back to some of that high school tape. I mean, yeah. I know it was, I know it was one play, but the kid had probably one of the better catches I've ever seen from a, a high school kid. Um, you know, McGowan in in high school was a, a hybrid wide receiver tight end. There was thought that he might be a wide receiver at LSU. Um, Booker, you watch some of that tape, uh, taller, you know, skinny kid, awesome ball skills, long strider, fast guy. Um, and then stack. Uh, another thing that, that I like to point to is um, the, the basketball background. I'm a sucker for tight ends with, with mm -hmm. basketball backgrounds that, that, that skill set, that footwork translates amazing to to that position in particular. You look at guys like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, uh, Jimmy Graham, all those guys had significant basketball backgrounds. I think that's something that comes in here. So you're upgrading the athleticism of this team and also just that, that pass-catching ability, um, those ball skills that all those guys create where it's like, are we, can we draw a correlation between what he did at UNC with the, the, the big pass catchers? Um, you know, uh, a lot of the guys actually during interviews from this year's team at UW talked about that it was a tough transition from playing with your hand in the ground to, you know, being split out all the time. 
Well, I mean, how do you solve that problem? You bring in guys that they weren't even sure were going to be tight ends, that they were wide receivers in high school, right? I mean, um, so I think that's a very intentional move to get those guys. That's not to say that Steck and McGowan and, and Booker are going to be studs right away, but this is the evolution of the roster to, to fit what we want to do offensively, and I think it's a pretty good step. Yeah, and a couple points I want to make on that, and um, you have a kind of a win-win-win here. You mentioned early in kind of our first segment, Van Dyke's comfort and his ability to throw to tight ends, and now you're talking about Longo's desire to incorporate those tight ends, and now we're talking about those new tight ends coming in. Right, so now you have a quarterback coming in that wants to do that, an offensive coordinator who's shown in his history he wants to do that, and now we've got some weapons there that could potentially do it. It does feel like there could be a natural kind of evolution towards that this year. And not all of them, you're right, not all of them are going to hit right away. Um, not all of them might hit, period. But I do think you go and get a guy like Steck who's 260 pounds, and you're not asking him to be a three-down tight end, right? You might just ask him to play 15 plays a game. Jackson McGowan might just play 15, 20 plays a game. And let's be real. Talk, I mean, you have Tucker Ashcraft, JTC Greaves. You still have some weapons coming back that could get better. They have another year of comfort in the system. Uh, JTC Greaves is a basketball guy. We talk about that kind of background, his ability to box out, get ball skills. Um, Ash- Tucker Ashcraft played right away. Yeah, and Ashcraft really flashed this year in some of those situations, mm-hmm. pass catching situations. So, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Yeah, there's there's – I, you got to think, right, out of that group of, we just mentioned five, six, you got to think somebody's going to emerge there numerically. Somebody's going to kind of rise to the top of that. Um, let's talk running backs for a second. I, I know you you were really high on Tywee Walker, the Oklahoma guy coming in, and um, certainly Chess Malusi coming back, a couple freshmen coming in as well. I, I think that this is probably a, again, so much rides on Malusi needing to stay healthy. Um, he's, been, he's been hurt several years, but – I said it before. People disagree with me. I think his injuries are all just bad luck. I don't think it's chronic stuff with Malusi. If you get rolled over by somebody, like the chronic stuff's an ankle. It's a hammy. It's a groin. It, that's I just it's all flukish for him. I feel like he has as good a chance to stay healthy as anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally. You know the the injury prone tag is is a, a ruthless one that that sticks with those guys. But oftentimes it doesn't it doesn't uh, match the the injuries that we have going on. Oh, talk to me about Tywee Walker. I know that's someone that you wanted to jump into as well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah. So just, uh, just to bounce back to, to Longo and his usage of, of running backs. Um, oftentimes this air raid term can be kind of a misnomer. I mean, I mean, we think of air raid, we think of Texas tech and Mike Leach and, and these guys, you know, spreading everybody out and throwing the ball deep every play. And, and, uh, you know, the unbelievable offensive numbers. And Mike Leach used to have funny comments about how he never ran the ball. But um, uh, Phil Longo in 2020, let's not forget, he had a pair of 1,000-yard rushers in Michael Carter and Javante Williams at UNC. Um, again, this kind of speaks to how uh, his he does change his offensive philosophy based on what talent he has. That year he had two studs, and he ran the ball. Um, so, you know, uh, let's not get anything twisted when comparing it to Wisconsin. Braylon Allen is a generational talent, a unicorn, uh, combination of size and speed, but you know, these two things might not be mutually exclusive. He might be all of those things and still not the greatest fit for 
what uh, Phil Longo wanted to do offensively. When you look at it from just a simplistic point of view, just look at the sizes, right? So Braylon Allen's a 6'2", 240-pound bruiser, right? Wants to get downhill, all this stuff. Um, had some issues last year, which we saw, but, you know, it's going to be an offensive pro in the mold of, like, a Jonathan Taylor. You know, it's funny. I use the term generational talent, but you Wisconsin guys, you seem to have one every every couple of years, so I don't know if you know that term. But, we we uh, rolled them through there pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Ches Malusi is more, you know, 5'11", 212, more of a make guys miss in a phone booth kind of thing, kind of lightning quick. You look at those two guys, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Michael Carter, 5'8", 200 pounds. Uh, Javante Williams, 5'10", 220. Um, you know, just from that that size comparison, you know, you kind of kind of think maybe a, a quicker lateral quickness kind of guy might be more up our alley. Um so I certainly could see uh, Chez having a big year, but also Dark Horse, look at a guy like a Tywee Walker, man. I mean, he was successful at Oklahoma, more that that scat back role, but but runs angry. I mean, could he have, could he easily have a, a year like a Michael Carter? Sure. Um, so yeah, so so both of those guys, I look to have a big year and, and um, be uh, productive in this offense. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. I, I mean, Braylon Allen, for everything that he did and everything that he was, this wasn't the offense he was recruited to be in, right? Like it just, it wasn't the, the most seamless fit. And I, you saw it. We all saw it at the beginning of the year. We saw what Ches Malusi looked like in this offense, a healthy Ches Malusi with burst. He looked like the best running back on the field at times. Uh, he really, truly did. And now you're adding a guy like Tywee that's built more in that mold. Plus one, I think one of those freshman running backs is going to step up and get reps as well, whether it's Dylan Dupree, whoever it is. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think the weapons are coalescing around Tyler Van Dyke. Hopefully, All right, we're gonna take one more quick break. Come back. We're gonna talk a little offensive line. We're talking snaps and any other key players, swing players on this offense that really could dictate whether it's a success or failure next year. We're gonna do that with Sean coming up next on Lockdown Badgers. But first, a quick break for friends of the show over at FanDuel. Great friends of the show over at FanDuel. Again, please do it responsibly. But all your futures, parlay spreads, teasers. Again, 49ers lines this week. Uh, it is minus. Seven for San Francisco plus seven for Detroit. Um, right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's 150 dollars in bonus bets free, win or lose for new customers. Use your bonus bets on NBA, college basketball, Wisconsin coming up into March here. Use your free bets on anything like that, or if you want to hold off till baseball gets here, FanDuel has all the sports, all the different types of action. Visit fanduel.com/slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, let's get Sean back on. Sean, I do want to give you an opportunity. Um, anything you got going on, I put your Twitter on there, your Twitter handle. Is there anywhere people can follow you, interact with you? Yeah, yes. My, my Twitter handle below. I like to post a lot of sports junkie stuff. Um, I actually, if anybody has the, the crossover like myself and AJ Store of also being a uh, uh, St. John's guys that have ties to uh, to Wisconsin here. Um, I, I can be found on the Red Storm Rapid Reaction podcast. We break down uh, Rick Pitino and St. John's New York College basketball team over there. I'm a, I'm a frequent guest on there. But yeah, otherwise, you know, uh, just check me out on Twitter. Hey, let me segue off of this. And I wasn't going to do this, actually, but um, I did see you mentioned that earlier in our, our kind of before the show. I did watch some of your St. John's show. Uh Thoughts on AJ Store this this year, and because I I just did a show with Rajiv, and it hasn't even posted yet. Uh, by, by the time people watch this, it will have posted. But I kind of feel like sometimes we're missing the forest for the trees on AJ Store. 
you know, he'll get 12 boards, 15 points, five or six from the line. And we'll say, yeah, but it wasn't the most efficient. Mm. And I'm kind of like, yeah, but it's a double, double. And you lose that game without him. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, people talk about shot selection and things like that. I mean, listen, he's a, he's a productive guy. He's going to, he's going to stuff the stat sheet. You know, you may not like how it gets done totally all of the time, but he's a guy. And to be very honest with you, I think that's something that Wisconsin might've been looking for. I mean, um, Connor Asijan kind of having this uh, up and down year, I think they needed a guy who was going to fill it up and, uh, and, and stores that guy. Um, you know, uh, whether he could be a little more efficient, that's up for debate. But sometimes you just need that dude who's going to who's going to, you know, uh, you know, take the ball one on one and get to the bucket. Um, also, shout out AJ Store. Really nice kid. I got to meet him a couple of times. So I uh, went to his toy drive actually over in Sun Prairie. Really nice kid. So um, I'm really I'm really happy for him. Um, he's been great. To- well, it definitely makes it easier to root for him, too. Right. Like. You, yeah. When you talk to some players and it turns out they're really nice kids, really nice young men, and you're already a fan of that team, it just makes it so much easier. Because, uh, frankly, that's been the vast majority of my interactions with Wisconsin players is really good kids, really good families. Um, I'm sure it's not 100% because it's not 100% for any team program, but it makes it easier. All right, let's 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 go to the offensive line. Um, we talked about uh, all year we have talked about the snaps. We've talked about some of the inconsistencies there. We've talked about timing. You had a really good antidote, and you brought this up with with uh, Coach Longo wanting to get the ball out so quickly. He didn't want his his quarterbacks to even find the laces; just get it and rip it. Mm-hmm. This could be a huge difference next year. I mean, it could be one of the biggest differences in the offense. Yeah, yeah, and and I hesitate to say, "Hey, look at the 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 bowl game film," but I mean, you know, the timing seemed a little crisper. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, um, obviously we love Tanner Bordellini. He was a, he's a great Badger, but um, there was that contentious argument that were the snaps not getting back there the way we wanted to, you know, him moving positions, did that throw a monkey wrench into things? I'm excited to see Jake Renfro with a healthy offseason, what that's going to look like with all the accolades that he had coming in. Um, but yeah, like you said, just think about uh, Longo having those guys practice without laces. That's, you're talking about milliseconds. He wants that ball out there. He doesn't even want him finding the laces. He wants that ball out. Um, and just imagine a, a snap, what kind of devastating uh, timing issues that could create uh, for the wide receivers, for the other linemen, for the quarterback. Um, you know, Longo had has preached in multiple interviews when talking about his offense that he wants his QBs thrown to a spot. And if, if your guy's not there or he's a millisecond too fast or a second too late, then then they're not going to be where they need to be. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I'd be interested to see how that, that snap thing plays out. But um, a lot of guys that are way smarter than me about football can, uh, can debate whether that was, yeah. that was a major issue this year. Well, give me – we'll wrap up here. And, again, Sean, this has been awesome. This has been really good insight. Um, I have a list of players. I have a couple of players, but give me somebody on on this offense next year, not getting talked about a lot, that you think could be a key player, could be a swing player in helping this team either overachieve or underachieve. Yeah, um, I don't know. This is this might be the the kind of uh, this. I might be showing my my green uh, nature here, my my rookie football analysis, but I'm waiting on C.J. Williams, man. I oh, there's just so much talent there. It's one uh, I just he's he's gonna unlock it and I know 
um, you know, going to the games, we have season tickets. My wife was probably uh, so uh, getting so tired of me, kept saying, there's CJ, he's in there. Like, we got to throw him the ball just because I want to see him you know, get the ball in space. And obviously he's a good 50-50 guy. But, I mean, if he takes off, then you're talking about him with Pauling, with Tretch, with, um, you know, all those guys. Uh, I, I mean, that could be a good swing guy. Uh, mine is same same position, but I'm going Bryson Green. Yeah, but I, but I think I think either one is the answer to the question. Right? Yeah. Like the question is, if it's a Jeopardy question, who is the Badgers' boundary physical 50-50 ball receiver? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's Bryson Green or C.J. Williams, I think. And if one of those two can step up, I think Bryson showed a little bit more. I mean, right. maybe that's to be expected. He's more more experienced, but either one of them. Like to me, that's one of the biggest swing spots. If you can get one of those guys to step up, because then you have Tretch, uh, you have Pauling in the slot. I, I like Quincy maybe getting some reps on the other side, but yeah, you got to have one of those bigger, more physical receivers step up. Yeah, yeah, just there's a lot of talent there with CJ, and I think uh, when he puts it together, it's it could be a good uh, you know duo on the outside there. You know, like you said, Bryson Green has you know showed a little bit this year and get CJ going. Now you're talking about those guys on the outside with the quick guys on the inside. It's trouble. Nah, I love it, man. He is Sean Latchaw. Uh, Latchaw. I asked you before the show. Doggone it. It's all good. Latchaw is fine. That works. Okay. Um, and I really do, man. I'm very, very grateful for the time. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, one of the things we always, one of the, the tenets of the show was always, if you wanted to have a voice, please come on. So that's true for everybody. I Sometimes I get a little busy, but please reach out if you want to jump on the show. If you ever want to chop stuff up, uh, that's really all Sean did. And then I was like, yeah, he's, he's really smart. Let's do it. So uh, thank you so much, my friend. I really do appreciate it. I hope to do it again. And on Wisconsin, thank you everybody for tuning in. Good optimistic show. Let's go. Let's fire that offense up on Wisconsin. Sean, any last words? No, thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Loved it, man. All right, on Wisconsin, and we'll talk tomorrow.